we are in Chodesh Elul. So throughout the next few weeks, we'll throw in some things about Elul. The Pasuk says, in Megillat Echa. At the end of Megillat Echa, after describing the destruction that happened during the time of the Beta Megdash, Yirmiyahu and Nabi ends and he says, Nahpesa derachenu venachkora venashuva ad Adonai. Nahpesa derachenu means we will search our ways and we will make teshuva. Meaning when a person suffers all the more so a nation suffers a tragedy. So it's a call for action. That's the way a Jew lives his life. He reads the map. And when the map shows something not so comfortable, that's a call for action. Because the world is not meant to bring a person troubles. The world is meant to bring a person challenges. Big difference. Life isn't meant to be easy. It's meant to be full of work and sometimes struggles. But to have tragedy, not meant for that. So when a person has a tragedy, small or large, person needs to know it's a call for action. So after Megillat Echa, we spoke about the destruction, but there's no point in talking about destruction. Unless you end off, because after destruction, you have to start searching your ways. Now some people have to search with a candle, and some people don't have to search so much. It's out clear in the open. Many people here, you don't have to search that much. You see clear what the things have to be done. And sometimes, even great people, is for great people, who need to search for problems in their life or for averot in their life, like they're searching for hamet in the corner. Those are great people. For most of us, we don't need a candle to find our averot. It's pretty much daytime. You could see it very clear. Yeah, it's wide open. But even great people, when something goes wrong and they can't, they don't know what, what could be. What do we do wrong? We're doing everything right. The Pasuk says, no, take out your candle and go look in the corners. You might find something. Maybe you're getting too angry or too nervous. Maybe your bitahan is not so strong. Maybe your tefillah is not that, not that motivated. Maybe your learning is not so focused. Maybe the way you're dealing with people is not so correct. Maybe you're not making people feel special. Maybe you're not raising your children the right way. Maybe your eyes are not always in the right place. Maybe your ears are listening to the wrong things. I mean, means take a candle and start looking in the corners of your life to see what might be wrong. Because that is the reaction of a Jew when he hits trouble, even if the trouble is very minute, a person is struggling with the smallest things. That's a reason to read this pasuk. Because the trouble that happened to you is only because you are distant from Hashem. Bottom line. Tragedy happens, like I said, the smallest tragedy doesn't have to be major tragedy. Even small things that go wrong in life are tra they, they're tragedy. They only happen because you're distant from Hashem. So how does Hashem bring you back? Nashuva means come back. And he come back to Hashem. You got to find where you're going wrong. What mistakes you're making. That's easy. What I just said is everybody's understanding of the concept of teshuvah. So when you come to Hodesh Elul, 
the time where we're supposed to be, the air of Elul is the air of introspection, of looking into ourselves, preparation for Yom Adin, for Yom Kippur. So the air is, let's see what it is that we can fix in our lives. That's what Elul is all about. Selichot, Shofar. It's an awakening. Person during the year sometimes falls asleep. So this time of year is a very, we'll call it auspicious time. That change is much easier. A person can change any time. But some, there are some zmanim, sometimes of the year that Hashem made that are easier. Just like on Yom Kippur, it's easier to forgive. You, sometimes you see on Kippur people forgive in situations that you would say is unforgivable. But on Kippur, they got the strength. Why? Because Yom Kippur is day of forgiveness. It's in the air. So what I just said, when it comes to Elul, that we have to look into our actions, what mitzvot we're not doing, what averot we are not staying away from, is obvious. But the pasuk doesn't say, v'nashuva ad Hashem. Doesn't say that. It says Nahpesa derachenu Venahkora. The word hakira means to, to search also, to look into, investigate. That's the right word. Thank you, Dave. Investigate. And then we'll make teshuva. Sounds like. If a guy just did imagine a guy sat down, he took a list of all the things that he needs to do better and he tries to fix everything, he still didn't make teshuvah. Surprising. What, what could be more? I took a list, I went over all the things that need fixing and I started to fix them. I still didn't make teshuvah until I also did venahkora until I investigated what's missing after the first part. That's the question. Nahpesa and then Hashem. Only then could you really start connecting to Hashem. It's not enough to look into your mitzvot and averot. You got to do nahkora. Question is, what is nahkora? So nahkora really is a different section of our life. Most people, they don't have such detail in their mind of all the little parts of their life. But once you start learning, you start dissecting things. You know, to a guy who's not Shomer Shabbat, Shabbat is like one big ball. It's Shabbat. I'm Shomer Shabbat. But then if you start learning about Shabbat, you realize Shabbat has many little parts, many little details of Shabbat, many small things, the positive things, the things you can't do. The more you learn, the more you get into detail. And the more you understand things, each one its own separate way. When we learn about the purpose of a person's life, of a Jew's life, you have to know there are two distinct sections. One of them is one that you're familiar with. One section of a Jew's life is mitzvot, averot. We've been raised with such a value. Mitzvot, averot, sometimes we veer off from certain mitzvot or certain averot. We don't, we don't follow so well. It's a product of our weakness. But in reality, a Jew's life is run by mitzvot averot. Simple. Whatever you think, should I do this? Well, are you allowed at first? Are you allowed to do it? Second, is there a mitzvah to do it? Or maybe there's a mitzvah to do it a different way. Or maybe now I should do a different mitzvah. A Jew's life is given 
direction, mitzvot, averot. It takes, by the way, for a person who never lived his life that way, it takes some training. Usually when people do things or don't do things, it's based on what they like, what they're used to, what they want. That's how people usually decide. You want to go on vacation? If you want to go, you go. You don't want to go, you don't go. You want to go here? Well, if you want to go, here you go. Whatever it is that you do in your life as a person, usually it's based on what you want or what you're used to. But a Jew's life is a whole different life. You don't, you don't think like that. The question isn't, do I want to go? The question is, do I need to go? Is that my responsibility to go? What am I losing if I go? What am I, what am I gaining if I go? All of these small questions, the Havad Levavod says, the Havad Levavod says that people think that in life there are two sections or three. He says there's mitzvot, averot, and then there's pav. They are the things that you must do, things you can't do, and then there are the things that it's up to you. It's not a mitzvah, it's not an averah, it's up to you. He says the halal is not true, there's no pav. He says every decision in life by nature is religious. Every decision is either bringing you closer to the Creator or further away from Him. Even to go play tennis, that's a decision you have to make. Now, if you play tennis, tennis could bring you closer to Hashem. Should I play tennis this morning? So, again, no one believes that. Do I like it or not? No. A Jew doesn't think like that. A Jew says, one second, why am I playing tennis? So there can be some positive reasons to play tennis. A, exercise. Exercise brings you closer to Hashem. Because if you take care of your body, you will be healthier and able to serve God in a better way, in a longer way. Sometimes playing tennis could be mental health. Sometimes a person needs to be involved in a game to clear his mind because his mind is full of all different distractions and sometimes a game could help you relieve your mind not only your body so if you're playing tennis either to exercise or to calm your mind then you're bringing yourself closer to the creator but if you play tennis for no reason just because you're bored so then, it's not just Pav, it's taking you away from your Creator. Why? Because during that time, there was something else that you could do. And you're not doing it. Is going to work neutral? No. Going to work is a mitzvah. You need to work hard to provide for yourself, for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren. When you work, you're supporting not only yourself, but your employees. You have people that work for you. They have families. So you're giving tzedakah. You're giving charity. So going to work can be a place where you get closer to God. Because you're working for all the right reasons. But if you don't have that in your mind when you go to work, so not necessarily is your work a mitzvah. Hey, you have to know why you're working. And you have to be doing those things that you're meant to be doing when you go to work. Follow? Anything and everything in life, says the Havot Levavot, either brings you closer to Hashem or further. There's no neutral. There's no, no nothing. There's no nothing like Time is precious. And what you do with it is important. And how to choose what to do, even when it's not a mitzvah or averat, also has value. Okay, that's Nahpesa derachenu. Nahpesa derachenu, you take a paper and you start writing down things in your life and you realize, oh, you know that one? That's nonsense. Why am I doing that? There's absolutely no reason 
for me to sit on a beach chair for five hours. There's no value in that. That is X. It's not an Avera. I was sitting in my backyard. It was a private beach. I didn't see anything wrong. But five hours on a beach chair, that's not what you're supposed to be doing with five hours. So, you realize X. On Shabbat, I do this, no good. The way I act when I get upset, not the right thing. I don't say the right words. X. Take a piece of paper. Probably for some people, you have to take a notebook. Take a notebook and start writing down the good, the not so good, the neutral, and start analyzing yourself. That's the way you do Nahkora is a whole different section of our life. It has nothing to do with what I just said. It's not in the mitzvah avera world. Nahkora is a different area of our responsibility. It's the reason why Hashem created you, you, in the family He put you in, in the city He put you in, with the talents that He gave you. Maybe you're lacking something, also meant for you. You know, according to the first section I just discussed, everybody could have been exactly the same person. We could have all lived in the same time zone and history. If you look at Nahpesa de Rachenu, we could have all lived in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu or in Yoshua Benun's time or in Halab 200 years ago or in Europe or in Spain or in Babel. We could have all grown up in the exact same home. We would have been all given the same talent. Because we have all the same mission. Just follow the mitzvot. Don't do averot. And that's it. Why did Hashem create the world where there's time? You don't think Hashem could have taken all of our souls and brought them down into the world all at one time with very similar circumstances? And everybody's got the same job. Keep Shabbat, eat kosher, make sure you pray, make sure you learn, make sure you honor your parents, make sure that you don't speak Lashana, make sure you don't steal. Those mitzvot have been around for the last 3,300 years. Those mitzvot were given to every Jew in history. So to keep all the mitzvot the way the Torah gives it to us, we could have been placed at any time in history, in any place, in any family, no matter what talent we have, it doesn't make a difference. So think for a moment. Why did Hashem spread out time and spread the souls that came and said, okay, you, you'll be in Moshe Rabbeinu's time. You're going to be in the Rambam's time. You're going to be born to this kind of family. I'm going to put you in that type of family. You're going to be born in this country. You'll be born in that country. You'll be born in Las Vegas. You'll be born in Brooklyn. You'll be in Benebrak. You'll be in Yerushalayim. Why did Hashem take each neshama and give it a very unique situation unlike any other neshama. If our mission is exactly the same, so then we could have been all in the same circumstance and just do what you're supposed to do. Easy. This is a thinking man's question. 
all of our souls could have been living simultaneous with the same exact goal. Why did Hashem not make me live in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu? Reason? Because there's another part of my life. This part of my life is called my unique mission in life. Besides the mission that we all share, mitzvot, averot, one section, that we need to do no matter where we are, no matter where we're born. But each one has a unique mission, which means that as Jews, we're not just created to do mitzvot, we also are created to fulfill a specific need that the world needs. You follow? Why wasn't I put in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu? You know why? The first part, I could have been there no different than everybody else. But for the second part, the world didn't need me yet. In the Midbar, my services and what I can provide was not needed. Why was I born to a family that was not so religious and my friend was born to a family by uh, Rav Chaim Kanievsky? Why? Answer is because I have a unique mission that needs to be fulfilled exactly in this home, with these parents, with this community. The guy in B'nai Brak, he has a different unique mission. That's good for him. If I would be in B'nai Brak, I wouldn't be Matzliach. I would keep Torah and Mitzvot. I could do anywhere. But the Nahkora, your unique, specific mission, Hashem chooses based on who you are and what you were given or not given. And He places you in the right time, in the right place, in the right home. And He gives you all the tools to perform your unique mission. That requires very, very intelligent, specific details from the Creator. To say, oh, this guy, he needs to be in the Cohen home. When? In 1982. That's when he needs to be born. His brother was put in 1992. A whole different mission. Being an older brother is a whole different mission than being a younger brother. Is the reason why you're the oldest. Given the oldest in your family, you're given a specific mission. Being the youngest, you have a different mission. Every detail of my creation and your creation has been tailor-made for Nahkora, for your unique Mission. You hear that? Two separate parts of our accomplishment in life. The part that we all share, every Jew since Moshe Rabbeinu has it, mitzvot, we all share that. Then there is the part that's unique to me and me only. And for that, Hashem has to find the opportunity in the world that's ready for my unique accomplishment. Good so far? That is why we say on Yom Kippur by the Amidah 
Only on Yom Kippur do we say this prayer in the Amidah. At the end of the Amidah, if you notice, hopefully you will notice, we say, Elohai. Hashem, and we talk to him, not Elohim, not Amonai, Elokai. Elokai means my creator, very individual. Elokai. Before you formed me. By the way, it doesn't say. Nivreti. You know, in Hebrew, there's a word bara and there's a word yotzer. Bara means creating from nothing. Yotzer means to form something that was already in existence, but you now formed it. Hashem created all of our neshamot already when He created the world. But he didn't form each neshama to be the body that he put it. So we say, Before you formed me, like a hundred years ago, two hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, that I wasn't formed. You know why I wasn't formed? Any kedai. It wasn't the right time for me. The right time for what? Not for the first part of our life. It's always the right time. It's always the right time to, get, to fulfill mitzvot. Any kedai means the world wasn't yet ready for my unique accomplishment. Any kedai wasn't the time. And now that I have been formed, which means... The world needs my new unique contribution. I look at you and say, Hashem, it's as if I wasn't formed. What does that mean? It's as if I wasn't formed. It means I'm living my life only with I'm just focused on mitzvot. But I'm not taking into account why you made me now. I'm living my life as if I could have been living 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Of course I'm doing mitzvot. I'm living my life as a Jew. But my unique contribution that you put me in now, because the world needs me, my family needs me, my community needs me. The way I'm living, I'm embarrassed. It's as if it didn't matter where you put me. I'm living my life as if there's no unique contribution that I was created for. He says, I stand before you. These beautiful words. These are beautiful words. Behold, I stand before you, Hashem, like a vessel that is full of busha uchlima. I'm ashamed. I'm like a vessel full of shame. And I ask you, what's this description? I stand like a vessel that's full of shame. Just say, I'm ashamed. I stand before you like a vessel that's full of shame. It could have been just as good if you say, I'm ashamed. But there's a very deep point here. When Hashem gave you your mission, He also gave you the keli. He gave you the ability to fulfill that mission. For example, maybe He gave you extra money 
Money you don't need. Of course, we always think we need more money. But in reality, you don't need that extra money. That's a clee. He gave you that extra money. So you should fulfill your unique mission with that money. Either to use it to give out to the right people or to use it as a way of getting power to, to bring people along. I know, I know people who work in a big company. When they started working, they were not so connected. But after a few years in that company, they became more observant. They started to learn. They started to do mitzvot. They started to live a different life. You know why? Because the people they worked for were God-fearing Jews who were great examples. And they literally affected the people in their office. God gave you money. Part of it is to give charity. But part of it is to influence people. People who work for you. People who look up to you because you have money. Now, you and I both know that's no reason to look up to anybody. Just because you have money doesn't make you a role model. There's no reason to look up to somebody because they have money. That's, that's foolish. But what can we do? It's a foolish world. So people look up to you. So you have money, oh, you must be very smart. You know you're a dip. But, but he thinks you're smart. All of a sudden, you become smart in every area in life. Because you have money. That's how the world is. I'm not saying it's, it's a good thing, but that's what it is, reality. But bottom line is, people think you're smart. Okay, so use it. So help them. Guide them. They'll get guidance. People who are wealthy and someone comes to them for advice, they can't say, I don't know. Not me. I know everything. I know everything. I'm the smartest guy in the world. Hashem gave you a Kelly. Hashem gave you a Kelly. It could be money. It could be talent. It could be the power of speech. It could be he gave you a extra wisdom. It could be he put you in a home where you had an unbelievable upbringing of Kiddushah. It could be he gave you a family that you need to completely change. You know how many people I know? Not one, two, not ten. And not even a hundred. More. That one individual in the family, one, changes the whole family. Not overnight. Fast forward ten years, his whole family changed. One child got inspired and his whole family is a different family. We're talking hundreds of people. That's not accidental. That's your job. There's a reason why you were put in that family. One time a guy asked me, he says, my family, I sit in the Shabbat table. It's a disaster. There's no Kiddushah. There's oh, they're, they're talking about nonsense. They're talking about business. Lashonara. They're talking about uh, TV shows. He says, Rabbi, what should I do? He thought I'm going to tell him that he should move to Yerushalayim. So I told him, I'm going to give you some rules in life. Rule number one. There's no mitzvah to make friends that are not good for you. When you choose a friend... Choose good people. Choose people that are going to make you better. Stay away from people who are not going to make you better. Rule number two. If you already developed friendship with somebody when you were younger, good or bad, you became connected. You never lose a friend. 
ever. It doesn't matter how great you became and how little they stayed. You never lose a friend. He's your friend means you have a little piece in him and he has a little piece in you. And that's very special. Yesterday I happened to meet somebody who I haven't seen in 35 years. 35 years I saw him. I had like the biggest hug I gave the guy. And there was a mutual, we had a friendship. You never lose a friendship. It doesn't mean that you hang out with the guy where he's going. It doesn't mean you talk his talk. But it does mean that maybe once in a while you send him a hello. Maybe once in a while you tell him to come to you on your turf. Maybe come to learn something, come to a class with you. Maybe you'll invite him for dinner and you control the atmosphere. He's your friend. You don't, you don't lose a friend. You don't throw out a friendship. And I said, and then number three rule is family. You were put in a family for a reason. They didn't put you in the house of Rav Chaim Kanievsky. That's right. There's a reason why you're here. You have a responsibility. You're smarter than they are, right? You see clearer than they, right? You have a responsibility. It's your family. You got to figure out how to make this family a different family. I'm not saying you got to get up there and preach on the table. But you got to be strategic. And maybe sometimes you have to walk away. And sometimes you have to know when to talk or not to talk. And lead by example. And sometimes opportunities. But you can't talk to me and say, should I just leave my family? You cannot leave your family. It's your family. It's your mission. That's the vessel you were given. You were given this vessel because it's your unique contribution to this world. It's to change your family. And so many examples where people are given the keli in order to do what's necessary. That's why in the Amidah we say, Hashem, I feel like a keli that's full of shame. You gave me a keli. You gave me the opportunity. You gave me the vessel. You gave me the talent. You gave me the power. You set up the situation for me. You pitched me the ball. I'm not swinging. You know what happens when you pitch you and you don't swing? Either you walk, which means you strike out, but you don't get to hit anything. I'm sitting here and I'm ignoring the Kelly that you gave me. So the Kelly, instead of being full of accomplishment, it's full of shame. This is Venachkora. Venachkora means make sure you don't forget about where Hashem put you in life. Don't forget Hashem gave you children, He gave you a wife. Today you're smarter than you were 30 years ago. You learned more. Don't behave like you did then. For some reason, God put you in a situation, you got inspired, you met up with a rabbi, you learned more, who knows what? You got a family to take care of. You have children and grandchildren to take care of. That's your mission. It's your unique mission. There's a reason why you're their father. Why you're their grandfather. Today, grandfathers try to behave like they're teenagers. That's not using your keli. This is a unique part of our existence. We have to read the map. Our family first. Our extended family. Our community. When we realize this other part of our life, we must start taking another paper and say to yourself, 
What was I given that's unique that I can contribute to the people around me? It doesn't have to be a million people. It could be one person. It could be you came in to change one person's life. Could be. Could be it's for 10 people. But there is a unique contribution. And you have to be on the lookout for them. And read the map. Study where Hashem put you. And what He gave you. Or maybe what He didn't give you. Like I mentioned on Shabbat, you have organizations. I once, once in Israel, to this huge building of people who are helping thousands of children and thousands of families. Special needs children, they have all kinds of programs. Maybe 10 floors. This kind of program, that kind of program, after school program. Sometimes they sleep at night to relieve the parents so they could rest a few nights. All types of programs. Thinking, thinking, yes. Thinking about that. So you might ask yourself after you leave that building, who opened this place? So you might say, probably some very wealthy person who was sitting around this pool one afternoon having a martini. And he says, you know, what can I do for the Jewish people? And uh, he opened it. But that's not the case. The person who opened it had no money. But he had a special needs child. And he looked around and he realized that nobody provided services the way they were needed. Guess what? That was his vessel. Sometimes vessels come from difficult times. That became his vessel. Why me? Why now? Why did I have this child? Why am I in this situation? And he opened up that building. His contribution to the world Exactly in that time. That couldn't have happened in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. What he did today, he couldn't do a hundred years ago. Hashem puts us in life, every one of us. Every one of us has a nachkora. And we have to realize what that gift and what that opportunity is. I mentioned on Shabbat, a man by the name of Yosef Rosenberger. Who is Yosef Rosenberger? Anybody know him? Nobody knows him. He's a Holocaust survivor. A young man came over from Europe to America. Must be in his teenage years. And somebody saw him and asked him, is that a rabbi? The regular Jew. Somebody asked him, Yosef, do you know how to check for shatnez, for wool and linen? Like, how do you know? He knew that Yosef's parents were in the garment industry. So he asked him, he figured, I'll ask him who, who would better to ask than him. You know, used to be, people used to make everything custom. Finished clothing from a store is a new thing. So people in America were buying clothing and assuming that everything is kosher. Wool and linen? Where, what, who? How do you even know? Yosef tells the guy, I don't know. I have no idea how to check. He asked the rabbi, Rabbi, how do you tell if my suit has wool and linen? I don't know. And soon realized that this mitzvah, one of the 613 mitzvot, has been completely ignored by American Jewry. A, ignorance, and B, they don't even know how to do it. You know what this man did? He asked himself, what's that? I survived the Holocaust. I ended up in New York. Guys asking me how to look for Shatnez. I ask, I can't find how to do it. Most of us say, okay, fine. It's over. Let's move on with that. Let's move on with our lives. This guy enrolled in textile school. In textile school. He went to textiles to study textile. He had a job in the garment industry. He started reading books in the public library about different things, different reactions to different materials. Until he finally came up with a test that could tell you if something is shatnez or not. You ever check your clothing for shatnez? You want to know how? You know who? His name is Josef Rosenberger. 
This man became the teacher of thousands of people in the world who check for Shatnez, a mitzvah that was completely ignored 70 years ago. Today is almost fully observed by the Jewish community. Next time you go to check for Shatnez, remember the name, Yosef Rosenberger. It's because of him that they have this test. That was a man who contributed so many stories of people. Think of Joe Estes, I love Shalom in our community. When he needed an ambulance, no one showed up. And a Volkswagen or a station wagon came from Williamsburg because that was the nearest Hatzalah in the station wagon. Came obviously late to help somebody in need. So what would you do when that happened? You say, okay, that's the way it is. There's no ambulance here. And the ones they have is station wagon. That's the way it is. He decided, why, why did this happen to me? I needed it. I see there's a need. So he opened up Hatzalah and Flatbush. Ambulances, helping people. Every time I see Hatzalah and Flatbush, you got to think of Joe Esses. That wasn't one of the 613. That was a unique contribution that he gave to our people amongst others. He did more things than that. But just that alone, imagine how many people are saved every day because of one man who realized, hey, why am I here? Why does this happen to me? What can I do about it? And he did it. Schools that opened up. I shalom, I love a shalom. Stepped up when it was needed. You have to know, there are millions and millions of stories. Some of them are very big, some are smaller. But all have the same theme. Ve-nahkora. Nahkora means you were given a specific, unique mission. By the way, if you come to a class like this or you listen to a class like this, all of a sudden you get inspired. You start realizing, you know, I thought I was very smart last year. Every day I wake up, I realize I'm dumber every day. That's the goal of learning, by the way. The goal of learning is not to get smarter. The goal of learning is to realize how dumb you are. That's what it, it's the truth. If you don't learn anything, you think you're a genius. Every day you come in, you realize, oh, no. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. And the greatest accomplishment of learning is to start to realize, I don't know much. So let me start learning so I can ask. Let me start asking. Don't be so confident. It's a big gift when you learn. Guess what? Don't you have friends? Don't you have people? Don't you have family? That's your mission. Those are your people. That's your unique mission and contribution. You could change the world because the world needs you. That's why you were created at this time. This world needs us. That's a whole new lens that we have to develop. Like two eyes. We have the mitzvah eye and the nahkora eye. And this is part of our teshuvah. Nahpesa derachenu ve nahkora. Only then, those two together. Then ve nashuva ad Hashem. Otherwise, we would be empty. That's why in Yom Kippur, by Ne'ilah, with this I end. By Yom Kippur on Ne'ilah, finally the top of Kippur. We, we got from Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Aseret Emet Shuvah, Kippur, Arbit, Shahrid, Musaf, Minha, Ne'ilah. The end, the high. We say a unique tefillah. We say thank you Hashem, thank you, thank you. You gave us at Yom Kippurim Azeh, You gave us with love this day of Kippur that cleanses us. All stains on our souls. And we get cleansed. Thank you. You forgave us. You clean us. You erase everything that we did. Thank you for giving us such a day. After Yom Kippur, we say, thank you. I would say right then and there, you put a period. Hashem, thank you for giving us Kippur. It forgives and erases all of our sins. All of our stains are cleaned. 
not what happens. It's only a comma. It says, Leman. No, Leman means, Leman means in order, which sounds like the forgiveness is not the end. Leman, in order. Leman nehdal, that we should stop. Me'oshek yadenu. We should stop stealing. We should stop robbing. That's the, that's the purpose of Yom Kippur. Could you imagine? Thank you, Hashem. You gave us a day to cleanse us so we could stop stealing. Is that what you, Yom Kippur is all about? So we can stop stealing? That's why we need to be forgiven? What's going on here? The Ger Rebbe says an unbelievable yesod, beautiful pshat in the statement. He says, each person was given a soul, a soul that's capable of great contribution, great accomplishment. But when we ignore our mission, we are robbing our souls. We are robbing our, the world from what it needs from us. The world needs us. And we're robbing them from what we can do for them. It seems that when we have a lot of stains in our soul, we are blind to our unique mission. Thank you, you gave us Kippur so we can be cleansed, so we could see what our unique contribution is and we'll stop robbing our souls and the people around us that need our contribution. This is part of Elul. Not only the mitzvot and the averot, but think about your unique responsibility. What you need to do in the area that you've been put with the tools that you've been given. And this way, you will have a very successful Elul and Rosh Hashanah Kippur and a great life. Have a wonderful day.